This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS 405. Happy Tuesday. So you heard it here live on KMOX about 10 minutes ago. Kevin McCarthy, Speaker of the House, has been ousted. Uh, a gentleman has taken over as the Speaker Pro Tem. We have Gene Evans and Jeff Rainford here, both uh, veteran politicos, to help us sort this out. Gene, I'll start with you. Uh, what the hell? I mean, what what does this mean? What's what's going on? Yeah, I mean, I, so I think there is a real anger amongst Republicans about the spending, and so Gates has latched onto that. Um, it's not uncommon in today's politics, either at the state or the federal level, to have folks latch on to sort of this um, simmering anger on their fringe. But the, the problem is his tactics, right? So maybe I agree with him to a certain extent on the funding. We are spending too much money, 100 percent. But that's not really what this is about. This is about his fundraising. This is a guy who doesn't raise a, a ton of money unless he can capitalize on something like this. And we were just looking at some news that shows he's fundraising off of this, getting attention for himself. Um, my, my guess is he hasn't been getting a lot of traction in the building from some of the previous stunts he's pulled, which means, you know, his bills aren't getting moved along. He probably doesn't have great committees, things like that, that are sort of inside the building things. But... Um, I don't see how this ends well for him. I mean, I think he, you know, he does raise some money. Um, but in the end, McCarthy and McCarthy allies far outnumber this these eight folks, right, that didn't vote with them. So whether it's McCarthy or his lieutenants that are running the show, I, I think, you know, as I said, if you shoot at the king, you best not miss. Yeah. And so I think that there will be repercussions for this. Um, I mean, that, that's been my experience. And this guy, I mean... You know, we both know people like this in politics that are, are sort of fringy when you get to know them, really. Like if you work with them, you find out they I, I can't say this is about Gates, but it would be my guess doesn't really have a real set of values and is just an opportunist and saw an opportunity here to make money. Um, but the, the damage he's doing is really to the Republican brand and he's not really going to impact the spending um, because the things that he that his tactics are terrible and it actually could end up hurting Republicans, and that's what the majority yeah. thinks. So, Jeff, I think this is a bad thing for America. It seems like, uh, temporarily at least, a good thing for Democrats that if your opponent is in disarray, whether it's sports or politics, let them go. Let them keep calling bad plays on, on the gridiron. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. And uh, so I'll speak as a Democrat, which is the thing that disappointed me about Democrats is when McCarthy on the vote on the uh, debt 
agreed that he was going to take Democratic votes, knowing full well that this was going to be the result, what happened today was likely to be the result. I, I wish more Democrats had said, hey, we admi- we disagree with with Speaker McCarthy on a lot of things, but we admire what he did for the good of the country. Right. Because, there, we, we, you know, I think other people think, hey, let's have chaos. I think chaos is bad for the country. I don't think people, the majority of people want it. And I wish if uh, we don't know what happened today, whether or not McCarthy went to the Democrats and said, hey, is there a deal to be had and whether they were reasonable about it or he didn't. But if Democrats participated in this, I'd be disappointed because, uh, you know, what I'm seeing a lot in politics is that people are putting their political party and their political interests ahead of the country. And I get that we have elections and we got to win the elections and I'm all for winning elections. I've run campaigns, but I think sometimes you really got to put what is good for the country ahead of your party. And if Democrats played any role in creating the chaos, while they will, I believe they will get a political benefit out of it. I wish they hadn't done that. And I wish in this case, because I think stability, I think a dysfunctional house is bad and a non-functioning house is worse. So. What happens now? I mean, like tomorrow, do they start voting on a new speaker or is it all you know, behind closed doors? This could go on until Christmas time. What what happens? Well, I don't think they have to. I think they can go on. It's supposed to be a temporary thing to have the pro tem as kind of filling in for the speaker. What I'm not sure is like a lot of the, the power that speaker has has to do with assigning committees and assigning bills and those sort of things. Well, I'm assuming most of those committees have been assigned. Right. So. Um, and then the bills, do you have a bill that you're trying to move? But since it's one of his supporters and lieutenants, McCarthy's, that is now in power, I don't think things change that much. I think there's a lot of news about this. I think it looks like a lot of disarray. But as far as things happening, I don't think things change that much there because the sort of the regulars are still in control. And the majority of the Republicans voted that, that way. And mm-hmm. for the Democrats, you know, like, I mean, politically— it doesn't make sense for them to vote for anything other than against McCarthy. I mean, I get it. I didn't expect any of them to do that. I mean, then you're kind of seen as betraying your own party. Like, if your enemy gives you an opportunity, like yeah, you have to take take advantage of it. And they're scrambling right now because their presidential candidate is in trouble, right? So they've got to do whatever they can to kind of kind of take the shine off of things. But I really think that the presidential politics in this country has moved past the. Um, R and D sort of things. It's become more about personalities and all kinds of other things that don't even have to relate to the parties. Both of these candidates that will looks like will be the candidates. I mean, Donald Trump is not a traditional Republican by any sense. Um, Biden was, but he seems to have changed quite a bit as well. So I think people, when it comes to, you know, how does this affect voting in the presidential? I think it's, it's still going to come down to these two personalities more so than anything that's happening in Congress. I agree with 90% of what you just said. The only thing I disagree with is I thought the last presidential election was about who was the least scary of the two. And in the last election, Donald Trump was much more scary than Joe Biden. And because of the economy and other things, now Joe Biden's pretty much drawn up equal to him and most scary. And I think when the House does crazy stuff like this, it will maybe not by 10, 20 percent, by four or five percent along the margins enough to win a close election. I think it will hurt uh, Donald Trump. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I think if Donald Trump is the nominee, I think he supersedes all this. If it's a different candidate, a tr- more traditional, which seems less and less likely, if it's a Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis or whomever, 
I think then it it, it possibly could. I, I just when it comes to Donald Trump, Trump, it just seems like none of the rules apply. But that maybe that's well, just the scary me. rule does apply, and he lost last time because he was too scary. And this is kind of, this is the kind of thing. This kind of chaos is the kind of thing where people are like, okay, Donald Trump was scary. I voted for Biden last time, but Biden's got us hit inflation, and he's kowtowed to the defund the police, right? And so now they're fifty fifty. And so I think anything that makes one party or the other. Uh, the unstable party will hurt him. And again, in a close election, two, three, four points is a lot. Yeah, I think that's true. I, I still think it's going to come down to the economy. You know, we still got a year to go. The The economic numbers look really bad this week. I mean, October is traditionally not a great month, but last week they weren't great either in the stock market. It's an eternity. So much could happen in the next year. I think that this, you know, there's so much is happening. You know, with Dianne Feinstein, which I thought we would probably end up talking about before all this happened. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that appointment there and what's happening in California with Newsom and then the stuff with, I mean, there's so much happening on the Democrat side that's behind the scenes now because so many of them want Biden out. Um, I don't think they're going to be successful, but there's definitely a lot of undercurrent and chaos over there. And in the meantime, you know, the Republicans are shooting themselves in the foot. Well, whose side is time on when it comes to this, is it for Democrats like, hey, every day, every week, every month that goes by with no speaker and all this at least perceived chaos, that's great for us? Well, I I think to a certain extent, I mean, it depends on how all they manage things in his absence. Um, but like, you know, I've been in the legislature before where the speaker's out of town and the staff and the whatever, they just handle things. Things can still be handled. It's like if the CEO is gone, you still get things done. I think time is not on Joe Biden's side. I don't think Biden gets better. He's not going to get younger or spryer. I don't think the economy is going to get better to the to the degree that people are going to feel like um, they went to the grocery store and they actually could get five bags of groceries instead of two. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I, I, I don't see him improving in any way in the public eye. I think the only he's got two things he can count on or one really is that we have a terrible candidate or something happens um, so bad that people don't want to change at all, right? Uh, I don't know what that would be, uh, the kind of thing that we don't even want to think about. But if there's a major crisis or a war, people tend to stick with mm-hmm. the incumbent. But I just don't see how he's not going to get more agile. Yeah, but I mean, look at, I mean, there's a lot going on on the Republican side. So you got Donald Trump with all of his legal trials and tribulations, which I get the Republicans are in denial of, but people in the middle are not. And now you have this thing. So on this thing, I don't think the American people are going to care about the back and forth between who's speaker. But if something important business does not happen because of this, there will be a price to pay. So if this drags on long enough that after this temporary deal expires, the government shuts down because we don't got anybody in charge of of um, the government or something. You know, the other untold story here is there's no funding for Ukraine. I mean, the guy winning and all this is Putin. And I'm a, I get that I might be coming in the minority. I think we should be uh, helping the Ukrainians. And that's not getting talked about a lot. But right now, uh, at least temporarily, that's out. And, you know, I think anything that makes Putin smile is bad for America and bad for the world. Yeah, I tend to agree. Thoughts, Kev? Well, I, I mean, especially when it comes to something like Ukraine, why don't we ask our military leaders what they think? I mean, if we're going to talk to the top generals and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs now that we actually can have them because people had to go around Tommy Tuberville to get that done, 
maybe their opinion on what's good for national security is probably the most important one. They're going to follow the commander-in-chief, right? I mean, a a general... Well, hopefully he's also following them because a good commander-in-chief, just like a good governor and a good mayor, asks the really smart people and then builds the policy from there. And I I should say more the retired ones who can speak, not so much the ones that are in position where they have to follow orders. But I've seen plenty of people. Mark Hurtling's on all the time. He's been on CamoX a million times talking about how important it is that you don't let Putin gain advantage by doing this. I, I just think that when you're out there talking to, to voters, I mean, my barometer is Uber drivers. So I've been doing a lot of traveling. I talked to a lot of Uber drivers and asked them what's going on. They're more concerned about the border than they are about Ukraine. And I'm not saying we can't do both, but right now we're not. We're not protecting our border. And we are going spending billions of dollars in Ukraine. And there are a lot of Americans here going without and we're supporting things in the, in the Ukraine that we aren't supporting here in the United States. Now, 100 percent, we need to, we need to stop Putin over there because otherwise he's going to end up over here. I agree. But the feeling amongst most Americans who don't follow this as closely as we do is why are we sending all this money over there when we have people suffering here and we have an invasion on our southern border? Right. My pushback on that to put to a politician would be it's your job to explain why that matters, because Russia has tried to interfere with our elections. Our our intelligence communities have said that definitively. But Biden can't explain that. That's part of the problem. No, I know. And I think that this is the point, that if you're going to oppose money to Ukraine for these other reasons, somebody needs to explain, not for political gain or political reasons, but practically why that matters. Mm -hmm. Why does it matter? I mean, it's not that one doesn't matter and the other does. They both matter. The border matters and Ukraine matter. But we don't treat it that way. We treat it like only one of those things can get done. And there are a lot of other ways to stop spending money ridiculously. We can stop subsidizing giant oil companies. We can stop doing things like that or at least reduce them for the time being and then go back to it later when we we settle these other problems. But it seems like the only arguments that we're allowed to have are Ukraine versus the border. But to use another sports analogy, you are expecting – uh, a football team to run very complicated finesse plays. You're getting into this, the subtlety and the nuance when they're lining up on the wrong side of the ball. <laughs> <laughs> really good point. Right? That's a, That's a really good point. We can't even hike the ball. Yeah. Right? yeah. We Correct. can't even get lined up. That's a good way to yeah, put it. You can't yep. get simple stuff done. How are you going to get complicated stuff yeah. done? I also think we're in an unfortunate time in this country where expertise, if you're an expert on something, somehow you've done something wrong. And so now we want people who who are driving cabs to decide what the best policy in the Ukraine is. And that's populism. And that's where uh, AOC and uh, Sanders on the left and Trump on the right are like, hey, uh, you know, let's let individual people decide some of these really complicated matters. I'm all for people deciding, especially at the local level and the state level, some of those things. But some of these international things are, you know, you said we should have our military leaders and our diplomatic experts doing it. I think we do need to listen to them because sometimes there are dangers that me, Jeff Rainford, sitting here in downtown St. Louis don't understand. Mm -hmm. But just because I don't see the danger doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Let's uh, take a break. Uh, Give us a call if you'd like to get your opinion in on this 314-436-7900. Toll free from anywhere, 800-925-1120. Welcome back, guys. DGS. We do the Think Tank every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Today we have Gene Evans and Jeff Rainford with us. Um, So... I've been saying lately, like, look, we should all be able to agree on a few things. And one is the soft on crime 
hasn't worked. Like Jeff was just saying on, on the breaks, the Democrat mayors in major liberal cities are like, yeah, I, we got to do something. All the Walgreens are shutting down. And hyperpartisanism isn't working because, hello, look at everything that's happening now. We can't secure the border. We can't, we can't find our ass with both hands because we're too busy trying to govern each other and not govern as one unit. I talked about this study that I thought was frighteningly apropos, uh, where chimpanzees in one tribe will bluff charge each other to challenge for power. But if it breaks into two tribes, they kill each other. And we've gone from one tribe that bluff charged each other, right, to two tribes that we just want blood. That's that's frightening. It is, right? Well, it's, you know, last year I reread the Federalist Papers, which were written by the three of the founding fathers to support the... um, to support the new constitution, the new form of government. And they talk about, not specifically, but generally, all the stuff that's happening today. They worried very much about factionalism, so they wanted diversity in this country so you would not have two factions because they thought the two factions would fight like that. They put in checks and balances because they didn't, now, yeah, they didn't want a king because they had a king, but they didn't want somebody like, uh, you know, like Trump, who was going to be a totalitarian and, and like that. And so our, our government is set up to be resilient into this. So that's why Dave uh, and Gene, my thinking is uh, uh, I'm almost an institutionalist. I think in, in this chaos today, what we have to fall back on uh, is our form of government, our history of our form of government in the Constitution. Now, is our country perfect? No, we had slavery. We've had other bad stuff. But this form of government is the only thing I think that will hold with this hyper-partisanship and with these would-be dictators. And we've got, and that's why when Trump said the election was stolen, let's overturn the election, uh, there are other things that he has said and done that I might not have liked, but I'd go back to sleep. That one I was adamant about. We have got to stand up for our, our, our government our, and our institutions, even at a time when there's not a lot of confidence in them. Yeah, we need statesmen. You know, we need heroes again. I hate to be that hyperbolic, but we're in a bad place. We need people to step up on both sides and look past the partisanship the and think about the country. Statesmen don't get the attention. I mean, if you saw like there was a shot was all over Twitter of Gates outside the, you know, the Capitol with the just surrounded by press. Um, and even, you know, like if you watch Tim Scott in these debates, he's a statesman and he's he's losing. Right. Because he is not out there throwing bombs and, and doing those things. And, you know, people say that. But I, I am amazed at how many people that I I know and respect that just I, I they have so much respect for people like Gates or Trump. And they like they're the only ones who really care about me. And I'm like, they don't care at all about you. And to be honest, like I don't need a politician to care about me. I just need them to do the job to the best of their ability. I think anyone who thinks that politicians really care about them personally, for the most part, they're crazy. Like they, they just don't, especially at that higher level. I just want them to be effective. And so I, I understand that they're going to be flawed. I, I think that that's one of the things like we have to accept, like, no, they shouldn't be criminals. They shouldn't be taking bribes, right? But they they, they are going to be flawed. They are going to have, you know, they smoked pot in college or they had enough, whatever. They're going to have things about them that we don't like. But I want them to get the job done and I want them to do it in a way that's good for the majority of Americans. Yeah. Amen. Can you guys hang around one more segment? Sure. We have uh, Gene Evans and Jeff Rainford. We'll be back with one more segment. Again, the phones are open for you. 314-436-7900. 
Welcome back, guys. DGS and KMOX 436. If you're listening on 1120 AM, you can do better on 98.7. If you're anywhere around Highway 40 between the rivers, uh, best thing you can do is download the Odyssey app. It sounds perfect in your car, in your house, in your headphones working out. We're here with Gene Evans and Jeff Rainford. Uh, the big news today is that Speaker McCarthy has been ousted. Uh, so I communicate in analogies. Let me give you one. I'm a lifelong drummer, played in bands, put myself through law school doing that, and then for the last 20 years, sang lead in a band. And I remember the first couple of uh, of gigs, my drummer said to me, how'd I do? And I said, you did great because I didn't notice you once. Because drummers shouldn't be noticed. And I know that being a drummer, when you start doing crazy fills and people are watching you, you're not doing your job. The analogy is, that's what I want from my government. I don't want to notice you. I don't want you to be the number one thing on Twitter every day. I don't want you to be the only thing on morning news and evening cable news. I want you to do your damn job, stay quiet. You know, I don't want to have to think about all this stuff. But now that we have all these idiots on both sides, we have to. And let's face it, the government has become the number one source of entertainment in this country. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think I would say this, but let's go back to talking about Travis and Taylor because, you know, I mean, people are like, well, let's talk about more important things. It's like, no, let's not. Let's not. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about stuff that's really meaningless and entertaining. and Because we know they got it. Like, that's, you know, hey. Yeah, let's not let's not worry about it. And, you know, it's it's at every level. You know, there's been all this controversy about the homeless encampments down here downtown, the crime, um, the border, the 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 things happening at, in local government where they're just blowing through people's money and then they have to be investigated. I mean, it just seems like at every level of government from the highest to the lowest, we're seeing dysfunction and also like really um, opportunistic or evil people who see an opportunity to blow themselves up or make money. And then what happens is the people who really maybe do have a heart for service Kind of get driven out because they don't. I mean, I I see that in politics a lot. Like some of the best people struggle to survive in politics because they just don't have enough of that uh, kill or be killed sort of mentality to survive. So by the time they get to the U.S. Senate or U.S. Congress or the, the presidency, Folks have got pretty tough exteriors and they they are they are. I mean, trust me, McCarthy is not crying right now. He's scheming. Right. Like he's figuring out what to do. And the, his. He's not running this caucus on his own. He's got a team. He's got lieutenants. He's got a lot of support. He's got way more support than Gates does. But he does have a problem, not ignoring that. But they're going to figure out how they're they're going to control things. And it's not going to be in the normal way. Um, but they're they're still in control and they're going to continue to be in control. And I don't I don't think this ends well for Gates and his little yeah. band of You and Jeff were talking about this a couple of breaks ago. Um what are, what are the chances that the Democrats can parlay this into something real? For example, you were talking about like when we have to actually fund the government again and the chaos is still going on. What if they were to say, yeah, drop the whole impeachment thing and we'll get on board with you? Well, I, I don't know because it's so unusual. I don't know if there's ever been a time in American history where the minority party has helped uh, elect a Speaker of the House. But we're in very uncertain times. I actually, so I'm just going to speak theoretically. I actually think that the Democratic Party, if they if they cut a reasonable deal, could explain it to their hardcore partisans and would get a lot of points from the American middle if they cut a deal where they said, okay, drop impeachment, give us three co-chairmen of the really important maybe Ways and Means 
um, judiciary or whatever, or what? I mean, I don't know what it, what it would be, but if they were gave, if they went to him with a reasonable deal, um, and I, you know, there's two ways they could approach it. One is to try to do a deal for the good of the country. And then the second one is to give him a reasonable deal, have him say no, and then make that public so that, yeah. look, the Republicans won't – we're trying and they won't do it. I think if the Democrats – and I don't know what the chances of that are. I don't think it's ever happened, but I'm, I'm going to speak theoretically. Mm-hmm. I do think if the Democrats overplay their hand, which we have been apt to do from time to time, it, it could end up being a pox on everybody's house and they can't tell who the bad guys are, so they're all bad guys. So, Gene, let's just go with that thought experiment that Jeff just rolled out. Any Republican that would vote for that would be dead in the no, water. Right. I, I just I mean, I wouldn't take that deal either. I, I think that I think there's a it's not unlikely that McCarthy is reelected speaker at some point, maybe maybe not in the next week. But I I don't you know, we saw in January that no one else could put together enough votes. Um, so he has the majority of support. If it's not him, it'll be one of one of his, you know, band or whatever his tribe. So I, I think that they'll work that out. I, I also think that one of the things they have to figure out now, and maybe they're already doing this, because normally these guys, if you're in politics, you got to be playing chess. And so they've been thinking out the next what could possibly happen is that if if this does impact impeachment and, it, and they can pin that on Gates, that's um, that's not good for Gates, right? They say we can't go on with impeachment because of what's happened here. Or they use that, you know, it becomes very clear to some of his other folks. So I think there's six of them or eight or whatever that this is going to impact that because that is not going to be popular with their voters or their donors. Yeah. Right. Maybe it is. Yeah, but the, the, I mean, a little bit of the problem for him, though, is he's not a tactician. Right. So he's not like the Senate pro tem. He's not like Pelosi. Gates or, uh, no, no. Uh, McCarthy. He's a back. He's a he's a relationship guy. Right. He's not a schemer. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have schemers on his staff. But he himself uh, is is not a schemer. But I, I kind of want to ask you, Gene, what do non-crazy Republicans think about the fact that McCarthy took votes from Democrats in order to pass the budget bill? Are they is ticked off? Or is the whole party ticked off at him? I don't think so. I think it's it, I think that there are people like, oh, you can't, you know, whatever votes like you, you hear that on both sides. And it's it's like there are a lot of reasons to vote. For something, whether whether you're in a swing district or there's a particular piece that there's a lot of reasons to vote yes on a bill. And the people that you're responsible to answering to are your constituents, the people who voted for you. So, like, we don't even have any swing districts here in Missouri anymore. We used to have one with with Wagner. Um, You just have to be able to explain to your constituents and your voters why you voted that way. But other than that, I mean, I don't I don't think it matters. I mean, you're going to get the questions and maybe you're going to people are going to poke at you on social media. But you're then if it doesn't matter that he did it. On the issue of the budget, why would it then matter so much if he did it on the issue of whether he's speaker or not? Well, it depends on what kind of deal you're talking about. Right. Like, I you know, that. I mean, Details I just don't, matter. I don't think that they're going to drop those things. I think a lot of people are like, OK, we've got 45 days to get our act together. Um, but there were a lot of, you know, people who were mad ab- ab- about this, about the funding, which it didn't really make sense, but it wasn't well explained. Right. Like what's actually happening I do think I think the Ukraine thing is a big deal. I think there are a lot of people who just are, feel like. From the corruption they've seen over the years into the lack of explanation coming from leadership about where this money's really going and the rumors we hear about, oh, it's they, they really do need to make the case better than right. just Russia bad. Right. Uh, let's talk to Rob calling from Collinsville. Rob, the floor is yours. Go ahead. Hey, I just wanted to, to draw uh, a, a inference, something you had said about people using politics as their entertainment. I think it's more of people have supplanted religion with politics whatever their party's 
planks or, or platform is, that's their commandments. And whatever side they're on, they think they have the, the righteousness of, of that to, to to demand their way. And I think religion has been pushed aside and politics is king now. And I, it, it's, it's a shame our value system has, has become that way. However, it seems it seems fanatical. Yeah, Rob, I could not agree more. Uh, two minutes left. Let's uh, take turns. Uh, Jeff, I saw you react to that. Oh, yeah. I was actually going to make that point. That is, I think, right on. Fewer people either believe a lot in religion or even believe a little bit and go to church. There's a lot more nuns. And this is becoming their reason and purpose. And when uh, that's not what politics and government is for. Politics and government is not supposed to, as you said, you don't. they want to be seen, not heard. When, when something becomes your purpose and meaning in life, this is what you get. I agree. I think that he was very profound, this caller. I mean, we were all nodding our heads like he's right. And, you know, when you're talking to someone who seems to be like a fanatical about whether it's really now this is their religion. It's a little scary. And that's why we're where we are and why no one can negotiate. Right. Because if you're an evangelical Christian and I'm Jewish and I say, let's negotiate on this Messiah thing, it's not going to go very far. <laughs> no, exactly. But if we're trying to get a business deal done, we mm-hmm. can both give a little bit. But right. when politics become religion, you can no longer negotiate. Uh, Gene Evans, Jeff Rainford, thank you guys. You're fantastic. Quick break, right back, DGS. Welcome back, guys. 451 DGS. Thanks again to Gene and Jeff. Uh, Rob, caller Rob from Collinsville made a salient point that uh, politics hasn't become entertainment, although it has, but uh, even worse, it has become religion. And then both Gene and Jeff agreed and had some interesting takes on that. And then over the break, Wheels, you had an interesting clarification. Yeah, I, I think there, he's 100% right. And, and, and it's interesting because I think one is about the, they worship almost identity. Right. And I think right now someone said, oh, he said that they they worship the platform. Right. And I don't think that that it's necessarily the party platform. Well, this is like a minor thing. But I think there's an interesting difference in that. I think the the really crazy stuff now is about an individual and not a platform or a set of ideas, because I think if Donald Trump changed his tune on five key issues, there's a group that would just like go with him and say, yep, you know what? He's right. He changed his mind. I changed my mind. I think the ideology on the left is not about the Democratic platform, but it's more about the stuff that Gene was kind of talking about, the safe spaces and, you know, making sure that that, um, you know, that it's it's more about an identity thing than it is about a policy thing, if I'm if I'm saying that correctly. Mm -hmm. But I I do think it's more about a character on one side. Yeah. Today, today, today. And And that's not even a large group of people. And in 10 years, I could switch. How many Republicans have we talked to that are like, yeah, I'm not a Trump guy. I mean, like, or I I don't, I wouldn't, but it's it's like, see, it feels like it's 80% of them. It does feel that way. Yeah. Even on the air, they don't even hide it. There's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not behind that, but you know, there's a group that is, and that group has a big enough voice. Look at Congress. I mean, how many people are actually behind removing uh, McCarthy? 216. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) But the gap is about a handful of people, right? I mean, there's like there's like eight people. There's you know there were what twenty votes that were a problem last week when we were talking about the shutdown of the government. It's really it's a very small percentage that are quote unquote troublemakers. I like troublemakers in some ways, but it feels like like this. What's the plan? What's the change? How are you going to get what you want? Or is it just a personal vendetta? It just doesn't feel like grown-ups. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. And and the thing is, like, we, we, the royal we, everyone out there listening, we don't get to act like this in our job. Ow. Right? We don't, we don't get to act like this in our marriages. We don't get to act like this in our familial relationships. When, when, when all these crazies go home, you think they can talk to their husbands and wives like that? Hell no. They'd, they'd be getting divorced. Only in politics can you be a complete horse's ass and continue to rise. Maybe Anywhere entertainment, but if you're, only if you're the big star. Right? Like, you can be the diva if you've got seven platinum records or whatever. But, like, these people aren't that. Right? None of them are. When are we going to, like, one of my Dave-isms is that, look, just wait a minute. We all get tired of everything. When are we going to get tired of this? When are people going to go, that was like a crazy fever dream, how into politics we were there for a while? Mm. I don't know. Not anytime I, soon? I loved I, what, who, who, soon. Was it you, Dave, that brought it up? Or was it uh, either Gene or Jeff that brought up the whole, I wish it could just be like, this is not a story every day. Yeah. Like this, but it literally is all that's on. Like, news is not news anymore, except on places like I, KMOX, where we have a very, like, do you hear all the political nonsense when we're doing news? When I say things like I'm about to say, people say like, oh, you want the government to be your daddy. No, but when I was a kid, my parents, for all their flaws, they never let me know when there were problems. I was allowed to be a kid, and they handled the business. And I'm not saying that the government should handle all of our business and be our parent, but I think there's an analogy there that they should be stable. They shouldn't be—I shouldn't be in the back seat and them fighting for the wheel and us going from one side of the road to the other while semis are coming at us. And that is how I feel. That it is. I feel like it's just a bunch of immature jokers uh, as opposed to a bunch of adults who disagree the way it's been before this. What's fascinating to me is the chicken or the egg question. Is it that they went that way or is it that 30 years ago it became entertainment on TV and they all went? I think it's a perfect storm. They all fed, yeah, they all feed the beast. Yeah, I think it's a perfect storm. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 